So hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of Outer Spaces. Today we are going to meet someone who I feel has taken many leap of faith in his life and he has been persistent to achieve the most in each role that he took up. And when you're 27 and you want to make a shift in your career, it's not considered too late, right? But I'm sure it is nerve-wracking. And add to that a shift to pursue a career in an art form that is still in its nascent stages in our country, India. The art form that I am talking about is improv comedy, and the guest who I am going to be speaking with today is the artistic director of improv comedy Bangalore, Arjun Mehra. So let's begin. Welcome, Arjun, to the first episode of Outer Spaces, and I am happy to have you on this podcast. Thanks, Ashish. It's an honor to be the first guest of your uh, new venture and your podcast. So thanks for um, thinking of me. <laughs> sure so arjun allow me to introduce you to all the listeners properly and specifically elaborate on the leaps of faith parts uh, part that i was speaking about in your introduction uh, so arjun and i were batchmates uh, and we graduated in the same year arjun went on to work for an investment bank and you guessed it uh, goldman sachs spent over a year there he then moved to work as an intern at the economic times where he also got a chance to cover the ipl auctions personally i think this is where his journey in the creative spaces began uh because after this he went on to work for your story in 2014 uh, when your story was on its way to make a mark in the media industry uh so arjun sort of you know got a chance to interview a lot of entrepreneurs entrepreneurs in bangalore and uh, post this he and of course he was also studying for gmat on the side so post this he went on to do his masters at a business school in spain finished his course stayed at home in the uh, you know was in dubai for some time where his home is and then came back to bangalore uh, was working with uh, zomato leading their um, content for sneak peek bangalore and of course was also so- associated with uh, icb and now he's a you know he's a full time artistic director at uh, icb so arjun what uh, I, you know i found this uh, pretty interesting so could you you know just you know if you look at the past 8 years you know how what do you think about you know how your professional journey has been so far i think there are two ways to look at this professional journey um on one side it looks like a really rich varied kind of career trajectory and on the other hand it looks like someone who's just been really unsure about what they want to do you've jumped from spot to spot uh, you've worked with a bunch of different people but you've never quite you know stayed in one place and that on on right. a bad day that looks bad but on a great day it seems like you know you've trusted your instinct and you trusted your gut to take you from one spot to another to get different experiences which today in hindsight it it looks really good in in hindsight i'm really proud of some of the decisions i've made um right. but i'm going to be honest and say while i was making those decisions a lot of the times um i wasn't sure if this is the best uh, step for me i wasn't sure if this is going to take me where i want to go and um it's it's difficult and it's a little scary to be in that situation but again in hindsight you know right. you have the you have the luxury of looking back and seeing that you know somehow the universe and your instinct both guide you to reaching and bringing you where you are today and you will likely be happy and satisfied with um what you achieved so far right right i understand i think what what really caught my attention was that in hindsight when you were to look at it it seemed like a you know like a journey that was full of learning so i think that sort of caught my attention a bit over there so so that's an that's an interesting way to look at it and i think i would look at it the other way right i mean i wouldn't look at somebody who was clueless i think for me it was somebody who was looking forward to getting on a path that he wanted to so uh, so and on another note fascinating was the fact that you did your thesis in your masters degree which was titled improvisational theater and its place in the corporate world i mean that is pretty interesting so how did that come about so i studied uh, my masters was about marketing and a lot of people around me were doing theses on the impact of luxury brands on the marketplace and disruption in some industry right. or the other and i had started my improv journey in barcelona alongside my masters and 
what Ooh, what i found most interesting about the troop i was working at was that uh, was the business model right because 80% of your revenue when you're running an improv theater comes from corporate work um about 10% right. comes from workshops and the remaining 5 to 8% whatever 10 plus comes from workshops the remaining percent comes from shows so shows really are a small part of what you on as an artist and the most is the corporate space and that interested me a lot um so In- i wanted to do a further deep dive into how um improv affects people in a corporate space how it affects the group psychology um how it works towards making people more productive in communication and team building and brainstorming and giving you public speaking and right. presentation skills that makes you more effective right right well i wasn't aware of uh, you know this uh, percentage allocation by your audience type i mean i thought or, or the channel i thought the um, you know the show sort of contribute a higher percentage but it's pretty interesting to know that it is in the range of 5 to 10 and you know most of it comes from um, you know the corporate shows that you would do so uh, so that's an interesting insight and and i think if if i were to talk about uh, you know the different hats that you won you had gone throughout your professional life right so what made you make that first move from you know when you moved from an investment bank to to economic times right which is which is a uh, which is a publication you know they have newspapers um, i mean the newspaper sort of gets circulated across our country and then of course your story so how did that come about i mean how did you take that first step um with all respect to goldman sachs giving me you know my first corporate job i'm forever going to be grateful for that but i got uh, it wasn't for me i got a little bored um going in every day mm-hmm. and doing the same thing um again and again and that that's great and you know that that works for some people um it just it wasn't someone right. i wasn't the sort of person who could go in and uh work on the same thing day in and day out and that's one of the primary reasons why i decided to move out of goldman sachs and economic times uh, right. was a great opportunity because a close friend of mine was interning as well at economic times at the same time and he said that they're looking nice. for more interns and i said cool i right. really want to try my hand at this because it promises to be exciting in the sense that i get to flex my writing muscles i get to do something brand new every single day and that was my biggest issue while working at the bank so that's how i got to economic times in the first place it was honestly a leap of faith i hadn't had any serious writing um experience before um i had right. i had plenty of experience with you know creating arguments and stuff because of the debate society at christ um Right. But economic times was a, was a leap of faith. Uh, if it wasn't writing, it would have been something else. It just happens to be that this was the first thing that came my way. Got it. And and tell us about a little bit about your uh, you know your initial days at uh, you know when we were associated with your story because I think your story was also on that path where you know they were defining that you know specific space where they wanted to succeed, which was talking about entrepreneurs. You know, I mean. the 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 title in itself gave it away right it was your story so which would mean that you know it did probably reached out to a lot of budding entrepreneurs right so i'm sure you would have come across a lot of them spoken to them you know opening restaurants or people starting a new tech company so so during that time you know uh, what were those learnings that you had you know in your in your time there because of course you spent uh, you know longer time compared to economic times right so just if you could just share some thoughts from you know your experience at your story Yeah your story was uh, it oh it's a hugely inspiring place to work in right because uh you a you're working alongside uh, shraddha who is probably one of the most influential journalists today in right. in in at least the startup right. space of north corporating and uh, right i got to work alongside closely with her um, on a lot of stuff and it was a like i said inspiring to hear her journey of how she started your story as a side project and made it big um and apart from right. that because my interest lied primarily in food i got to meet cool chefs i got to meet uh, restaurateurs who were starting off uh, with really interesting concepts 
uh, for food in Bangalore, which back then was still finding its culinary landscape. It's it's not as wasn't as defined as it is today. Uh, so meet, right. meeting these people, talking to them, looking at how the investment in food works, and just writing about food and different dishes and what uh, gets people going was exciting for me. Plus, there's a different sort of energy when you work around entrepreneurs, right? These people right. are in the same boat of, I'm not sure if this is going to work. I'm going to take a leap of faith. I'm going to trust the universe and my instincts to guide me. And I find myself right. there today. And I feel like all of those conversations <laughs> I had somehow were subconsciously affecting me um, by giving me a little bit of strength or giving me some ideas here and there. So again, right, again, right. it all adds up to you know a larger tapestry of my experience. True, true. I think uh, you know I just you know from what you were speaking about your story, I remember you know we were uh, before the lockdown, uh, we were at Future of Work, and then. you know you specifically spoke about shadda you know as um, you know since she heads uh, the organization and uh, you know i i, w- I w- was always thinking that you know as a journalist you know you know journalists are compared you know they are not as uh, you know um, slightly ca- casual in their you know body uh, you know the way they talk the way they sit things like that so i always thought that you know there is a certain level of you know uh, flow that they follow but then when i looked at shradha you know i remember seeing her she was you know she finished her session and she was so comfortable in things that she was doing and you know she was casually talking to her friends during the break so i think that uh, for me i felt like you know if i have to draw an analogy of that you know that's like the corporate uh, you know the way the corporates used to work and then you had the entrepreneurs and the startups coming in where you know they were wearing Uh, you know, uh, just a pullover and you know wearing shorts to office and things like that. So I think your story sort of added that sort of you know new age journalism, if I were to say, right? Uh, because it just covered so many things, and you know I see that you know they've now charted out to uh, different areas uh, as well by starting their your story weekender and then her story and things like that. So I'm sure that you know that uh, added to your experience there as well because I'm sure there were a lot of things that were getting piloted. uh and you know uh, a lot of pivots were happening to the way the business model sort of evolved over there uh so i'm sure that did happen and then i was just thinking right like arjun used to interview people uh, you know in 2014 and hey here i am i am interviewing arjun today <laughs> so that's that's quite an interesting thing about you know how um, life uh, evolves over a period of time full uh, circle so full i think yeah <laughs> yeah indeed indeed this is this is a complete full circle so and, and now i think we since we spoke about you and i think let's just shift gears a bit here and then i'll be very happy to you know to hear about improv comedy right like because i think a lot of us though we've heard about it in bits and pieces and you know people who are staying in bangalore or the metropolitan areas we do know that you know the performance is like whose line is it anyway which was sponsored by a black dog back when when we were in college used to happen but then of course it was like an invite only event right so if you could you know shed some light on what improv comedy is about how does it work you know where did it, you know where are the origins right of of it and how popular is it in different parts of the world so i think you know some thoughts on that uh this is a very big question um to... <laughs> so yeah let's uh... let's start about you know about how improv comedy works and then we can go slowly on to the other sub questions so improv uh, or improv theater or improvisational theater is essentially it's theater that is spontaneous and made up on the spot you uh, put on a show without a script in a sense and everything that you do on stage is mostly guided and inspired by suggestions that you've taken from the audience and environmental cues around you you use props you use light you use music um you use all sorts of um techniques and tools around you to create a show that has never been made before that's essentially what improv right. theater is you make it up on the spot this does not mean that people come on stage for the first time they just do something together and go off there's a lot of work that goes in the background that we don't see it's uh, our training is right. almost as rigorous as a scripted theater group wherein we are constantly performing with one another to make sure that right we can work with one another when we don't have a script you need to know the other person really well you need to know how your co-performer is going to react to a situation 
Uh, you need to be able to right. trust them that um, what you said is going to be honored and what you do will be reciprocated uh, in a positive way. Um, so in a nutshell, that is what improv theater is. It's, um, it's just a different branch of theater. One is scripted, uh, one is unscripted. There are many more, of course. Right. Got it. And where did improv really be- begin? You know, where are the origins of uh, this form of uh, art? The, this is a this is a, a varied question. I mean, you know, every every tribal culture in the world has some form of improv that they do. Um, it, right. When when it's oral forms of storytelling, um, you know, in the evenings when you had your village storytellers or, or community storytellers come and right. entertain the folk at night, that was also a format of improv because they are just making up stories on the spot. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's European versions of it with your Commedia dell'arte when you had um, clowns um, performing for, for the public. In, the, in North America, you have different forms of improv theater as well. But they all essentially right. have the common thread of it being spontaneous, it being on the spot, it working off of the audience's suggestions of what they want to see or hear for that day. And um, it's right. a form of really rich storytelling is what it is. There's no one origin point to where um, improv starts from, but modern day improv obviously has its kind of forefathers in a sense. There's In the US, you have you know Second City with uh, Del Close uh, being one of mm-hmm. Del Close and Violos Poland being one of the um, being two of the like guardians of the art in a sense, art form in a sense the people who started it um, you know up further up in Canada you have Keith Johnstone whose work has permeated through Europe um, and now in India and uh, these are two or three of some of the biggest uh, names in improv right now when it comes to creating modern day improv but there's no really one origin point that you can say this is where it started. Right. I understand. Got it. And, and personally, you know, I was just looking at, of course, before, you know, I thought of uh, the topics that I wanted to talk to you about. I was personally, you know, taking at, uh, taking a look at improv, you know, watching a couple of videos on YouTube, uh, et cetera. And I feel that it's, it's one of the art forms that requires the highest amount of attention from both, you know, the audiences and the artists. Right. And if I have to draw a parallel here or, say an analogy, I would say improv is pretty much like, you know, playing a game of squash, right? Because, you know, squash is sort of considered one of the healthiest sports in the world because it requires a lot of focus and it, it, it works on your body really well. So do you sort of agree with, with this analogy or do you have another one? As someone who hasn't played squash before, <laughs> I'm not too sure if this would click. Uh, but I agree when you say that it requires uh, equal participation from both ends. Uh, because to fully understand and to fully appreciate the show that's being put on, uh, the audience needs to be uh, attentive and aware of what's being said. And also right. because I feel like the audience has some sense of buy-in into every show because we are using their suggestion. We are making things up on the spot. Right. Um, so it's exciting. But on the other hand, as performers, we also need to make sure that we are engaging the audience enough for them to give us the attention that we want. Right. right. Uh, so it's a two-way street um, in that sense. Both performer and audience are sharing responsibility of the show being good, are sharing responsibility of giving each other sufficient attention so both parties feel respected and appreciated for their contribution to the, to the night or to the show. Um, so in a sense, uh, sure, uh, you know, it, it might work like squash because every player, every, uh, every bu- member who's buying into that evening needs to contribute right. um, so, that, so that, you know, it's a, it's a successful and it's a nice show to watch and experience. Right, right. And, uh, you know, talking about, you know, the current situation that we are in, um, you know, where we are pretty much under lockdown, we can't really gather to watch art. So, uh, you know, how, how I'm sure that it has been pretty challenging uh, for you, right? And I was just reading uh, that now the on, the online improv is, is apparently called as netprov. Is that what it is called? Yeah, netprov or zoomprov. We've we've chosen to call it zoomprov because we've been doing all of our improv through Zoom. Zoom. Um, okay. Yeah. 
got it and how challenging is this uh, you know for an art art form that sort of thrives on live performances right so how challenging was that and how did you sort of navigate uh, manage to navigate yourself through this situation it started off as being really challenging and i'm not going to lie to you about this it's um it, the initial sort of shock of not being able to do shows in public was uh, was pretty heavy because um we've never even had to think about right doing shows online you know it's um it's it's such a weird thought because you reserve zoom and skype sessions for office meetings or for right meeting right. and talking to someone who's on the other side of the world right um but as i say you know necessity is the mother of invention we <laughs> decided to we decided to kind of move to zoom um because we really wanted to perform and a couple of the theaters that we uh, follow in the sense you know like we we closely follow mm-hmm. their artistic journey because we look up to them a lot in some of the trail blazing decisions that they've made um in the right. world uh we saw them start shows online and i think in a week the week after they had started shows online we had unpacked so much of what they did ourselves that we were um, also ready to start experimenting with shows online and zoom fantastic and uh, that's where we started we basically looked at uh, people who were far more experienced than us saw what they were doing decided okay this is really inspiring uh, we're mm-hmm. going to try it ourselves we spoke to them as well we watched a bunch of their shows we had chats with them about um just some of the starting points because they had they were also pretty new to this and right. um, we yeah and that's essentially what we did we were inspired and we did the same thing and here we are today, four months later 20 25 shows in uh, wow. and it's been it's been a cool journey wow that that's a lot of shows and and i'm sure that um, you know that the you know the buffer time that you took to sort of figure out was was just seven days and i'm i'm sure that until the last minute you're still sort of contemplating you know how do we sort of work this out but until unless you don't take that um, you don't jump into it you don't really realize you know what else needs to be tweaked right because i'm sure you know eventually you would have made some other changes after your first or second virtual shows right yeah absolutely and just to tie back into something i said earlier when we decided to do shows online and buy that zoom account i was again at a moment in my life where i'm jumping into something again without knowing whether it's going to work or not in right. hindsight it worked out but at that point in time i was confused whether this is another instinctive move that my gut is telling me to do or it's another right. stupid decision i'm going to make right um and it worked and i'm glad to say that no, you know listening to your instincts really helps sometimes yeah <laughs> no that's a, that's a very fair point and and it's just uh, you know how people have always said it you know like historically if you look at the biggest decisions that were made by leaders or by artists or whoever it 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 did work out on instinct i mean of course you have all the analytics and you know the data science and the data mining and all of these things that are going in the background across the world but at the end of the day you know a lot of uh, you know gut uh, you know decisions made from a gut feeling or uh, the instincts sort of have worked out pretty well because Uh, it somehow eventually channels itself properly i mean whatever decision you are making you sort of make those changes adapt to things and then move on so i think i'm very happy that you know it it worked out really well for you and uh, from an audience standpoint like what kind of response do you get from the audiences who watch your shows right and i think we'll have to sort of divide this question because i i'm more interested to hear about how the audiences sort of reacted before we had the lockdown right so when you were all um you know you were performing live so you know did the audience sort of get the art form how appreciative were they because i do know that you did a lot of uh, shows uh, that were live as well right so you know it would be great if you you know could shed some light on that i think the audience really enjoys improv um at least the audience that we have they love coming back to our shows to watch us uh, do some of the cool formats that we do they really enjoy um their suggestions being used and for us to create a unique show each and every time and mm-hmm. that's mostly the case right because if we perform four to five times a month 
the guarantee from our end is that every time you watch our show it's a show that's never been done before and will never right. be performed again because it's a brand new suggestion right. it's a brand new format it's a brand new story right. so uh, that that sort of bang for buck and that sort of entertainment is mostly only available um in an improvised uh, show so the audience really likes that also because we are we call ourselves improv comedy we don't restrict ourselves only to comedy but there is the element of joy and laughter and um some some elements of jokes and comedy that we throw in but we throw in an equal amount of drama and romance right thrillers and you know we work with a different bunch of genres as well that we try to use yeah. in our storytelling got it and and uh, you know you spoke i remember you spoke about uh... you know the unscripted improv and which i think you do i mean that's the form that you mostly follow if i'm not wrong so what is the weirdest topic or you know the strangest experience that you've had when you performed on stage for an unscripted improv and you know where you were probably absolutely clueless on, on you know what your next move is going to be and how you're going to turn that around so did you experience something of that sort I think initially we all experience this a lot um in improv because you are unsure of what you're going to do you you know you're not too confident about uh whether what you're saying now is going to lead to a story or not so yeah my first few shows were were very gut wrenching and um we've also been in situations you know where the audience kind of throws weird suggestions <laughs> at you right. and um there was a show i i wasn't part of the show but other members of the troupe were they were in chennai and at um i don't remember what venue they were performing at i think it was coworks or something mm-hmm. they were performing in chennai and uh they got the suggestion as as audiences go we got the suggestion dildo oh, and wow. uh, <laughs> and and the 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 troupe very uh inspiringly navigated that as dildo <laughs> in hindi interesting and we made interesting. it a scene and we made it a scene about you know kind of expressing and confessing your love to someone um stuff like that so interesting so you get you, you get chucked into situations like this when life or an audience member throws a googly at you and you need right. to um navigate on the spot Outfit right without it looking like a sticky situation right i think that that was a brilliant uh, way to look at it and turn that around i mean i wouldn't have i would have never thought about it uh, we probably asked the audience to sort of you know give throw another topic at you but i think that was brilliant uh, whoever did that i think that was really really good and if i have to sort of pick uh, between uh, you know performing online and performing on stage i'm sure i mean obviously your answer is going to be you'd be more interested on performing on stage right so but now that you don't have that opportunity uh, to do so are you also using this time to sort of plan on you know what uh, changes you want to do in your live performances or practicing a lot and you know jamming together and things like that but from a format standpoint or from the way you approach is there is there anything that you're changing once you go back to live shows I think the longer we've the longer we've been on Zoom the longer we've been performing online the more we've fallen in love with it and I Got think it. and I think as a group we've decided that once the lockdown is lifted and once things hopefully get back to normal we will still maintain a sort of hybrid model where we do shows online and right. offline um initially right. I, i initially i will confess that you know it seemed like doing shows online had many restrictions and many limitations but over time mm-hmm. um we've all come to the collective realization that doing shows on zoom doing shows on through your computer is has such a different flavor to offline shows that you can't compare the both you can't prefer one over the other because offline you're doing it in Order. person but online you've got a camera to play with um got it you know we we're, we're on people's screens we have the opportunity to create a different texture of a show altogether and we're playing with really cool technology you have virtual backgrounds you can use you know snap uh, right snap chat has those really cool snap camera filters, filters. that you can use we have right. voice patches we have music you still have a bunch of different things that you can do online that we couldn't ever do offline so both give really different flavors 
to shows and i think we are most certainly going to be doing shows offline and online and just as another point to that when you're doing shows online you have the really cool opportunity of performing with people from across the world right uh, very true i think from a collaboration standpoint it just sounds really really good yeah we'll... uh, and i i'm sure from a broadcasting standpoint as well i mean you can reach out to audiences across the world right exactly we're streaming on facebook we've we've started streaming on twitch from a week ago um and fantastic while people while anyone can watch our show we can watch any show in the world like i said initially when we were inspired to do shows on zoom we got inspired by two theaters one in san francisco and one in austin texas and the only way we could ever have watched those shows is because all of this came online had this not come online we would have st- i mean i personally also would have still been pining to travel to these two cities to go watch their shows but now every weekend right you wake up at maybe 6:30 or 7 in the morning and you can tune into their shows when it's evening at that time great i think that that is fascinating right and i and i do do know that you know you you've traveled across the of course you've lived you've been raised in dubai you've you know traveled across middle east uh, you you know traveled to europe because you were studying there and uh, i do know that you know quite recently you were in canada um so i'm sure you've probably connected with very many artists across the world right so where do you think the future of improv lies i mean is there like a gold standard currently in the world that you sort of look up to or you know look forward to to perform at ah oh, where does the future of improv lie um i think the future of improv lies with more and more people doing improv and more and more people watching improv um i think uh, there's still so much to do in terms of unpacking how this art form affects you personally how it affects you professionally and how we can market this to um, i mean market's a very business term how we can kind of show this art form to people so they can adopt right. it adopt it in their in their daily life you know with being more spontaneous and being happy with just making up stories and finding joy in the little things that life throws at you or that people can that that you can work with anyone and you know make a make a fun script or whatever um that i think is one of the futures of improv for sure one of the various streams that it can take to be more accessible to everyone obviously everyone may not be interested in performing live but surely people are interested in um creating their own stories um you know right. in that sense and in terms of the gold standard you know there are so many gold standards i think it's going to be unfair to label <laughs> any one thing as a right. gold standard but there's such great work being done by so many theaters um, across right. across europe across the us across canada across the east as well i mean there are great troops in japan and singapore and philippines and wow. indonesia um in australia you know you you name a country and there there are there are so many troops in south africa in north of africa um as well in south america i mean there's troops in every country there's troops in every in every major city and mm. ever since we all went online it's almost like every every week you find a new troop or you discover wow. or you discover wow. an old troop that's been performing and you just add it to another thing that you want to follow now because um, there's so much improv happening out there and there are so many different flavors and varieties of it that surely you will find something that will interest you and pique um some and pique you know your curiosity of a brand of storytelling wow even i wasn't aware of uh, i wasn't aware of this i mean the only parts of the world i knew were the ones that you visited and uh, it's so it's quite interesting to note that you know it is um you know we have troops in japan there's uh, singapore indonesia i mean and also the part uh, that you know every week you're sort of finding out a new troop uh, from a different part of the world so i think that that's pretty interesting i mean i didn't know that you know it is expanded so well across across the globe i think that's that's pretty cool um you know pretty cool learning right now um and from from an you know you know just from your personal standpoint is is there you know do you idolize somebody in in improv and you know what makes you like that particular artist 
because I'm sure you would have, you know, seen the full range of artists across the world, right? So who do you sort of feel is, is your idol or who do you drive inspiration from? Oh my, there are so many. There are so many people <laughs> I draw inspiration from. For starters, I draw inspiration from everyone I work with uh, immediately because, right. you know, they all come from different places and different backgrounds with such varied experiences and decisions that they've made in life. I draw inspiration from them. And um, I draw inspiration from, from a lot of other major improvisers. Like right now, currently, I am inspired by Jay Suko, who does this really cool series on Facebook called 10 Minutes With. And every single day, I think he does three or four sets of 10 Minutes With an improviser from across the world. Um, he'll just, right. he'll connect with them offline, on, he'll connect with them, sorry, online on Facebook, uh, ask them if they're willing to play, to do an improvised scene with him for 10 minutes. They agree invariably because it is J.S. Tuko, he's, he's one of the bigger names um, in improv today. And they go online Water. on Facebook, take a suggestion from the audience, uh, they do a quick 10 minute uh, scene and you're done. And I don't think... Fantastic. I don't think there's a more beautiful way of finding ways to connect with people you don't know. Indeed. And I think I did come across that with Arjun Mehra. I think he had uploaded a video on YouTube as well of that. So I did watch it and I think it's pretty cool that he's, I didn't know that he's doing about four in a day, which is, uh, which is pretty cool, right? Because, uh, you know, that is sort of uh, helping him learn as well. You know, how different artists are, you know, sort of looking at the same thing. Uh, from different countries, so I think uh, I think that definitely is pretty cool. Um, so I think lots of interesting stuff there about improv, right? I mean, I definitely got a huge and um, huge, uh, if I were to say, understanding of how it works. Uh, you know, where it is uh, currently being performed at, what different countries you you guys collaborating now in this uh, time where everybody is under the lockdown. Um, so, and I think. You know, this just helped me understand so much more, right? Because we've, we've met multiple times, we've spoken multiple times, uh, you know, in our previous conversations. But I think we, we just touched the surface of it, right? So I think this is a fantastic way to gain that deeper understanding into it. So, so thanks for that insight into the world of improv. And one last question on that. So where do you see the future of improv in India? Say, I mean, it's a very corporate question, right? In the next five years or in the next 10 years. But uh, where do you see it, say, in the near future? Uh, the, the near future is interesting because we're not quite sure what the future is even going to look like given the situation we're in, um, how long we're going to be stuck um, at home behind our screens. But I feel like uh, one of the futures that I want for Improv in India is that um, more people become familiar with, the, with, this, with this format of theater for one. Um, we, you know, we, we consume so many shows on streaming platforms. We love our Bollywood. We love our TV serials. And um, right. it would be fantastic for us to be able to add improv to, improv to, this, uh, to this choice as well. Uh, to understand that, you know, we are putting on similar stories. We're putting on uh, a new one every single time we perform. And we'd love for people to be able to come and watch this. And the other and the other future that I really want for improv is for it to be used more in office spaces. Um, more and more we've realized and more and more we've worked on this. Um, you know, with teams working remotely, there's this greater need of employees or teammates Agreed. needing to connect with one another. And I don't think uh, that there is a more fun yet productive way for people to connect with one another than improv. You are forced to be, um, I say forced because initially it feels like that <laughs> when you're reluctant to do it, but you, you're forced to be silly in front of people who you don't necessarily know too much. And that breaks barriers. The, you know, the, the first sign of breaking a barrier is when people laugh together at the same time. And uh, right. And if if we if we do it right, if we can, um, if we run a session with a corporate team well, and we've managed to get people laugh together, I feel like we've been successful for that moment because that right. only brought a team closer into 
wanting to work together into wanting to be more productive together into wanting to respect and value each other's opinion a lot more and that's a future right. of improve that i really want where we are allowed and able to go and work with more and more teams more offices and corporate spaces are willing to adopt some part of this culture into their daily routine where people are laughing and sharing stories and being happy right. with one another while also productively working with one another right and and i i seriously hope it gets there right because i think uh i think we lack that balance right especially in our country where uh, you know people work long hours uh the people know what time they're going to go to office they generally don't know what time they're going to come back uh because everybody sort of um, you know takes their work too seriously and then we sort of don't uh you know venture out to do things that we really like we sort of you know move that away to a weekend things like that so i think uh definitely i mean the future that you are looking at i hope things work out that way uh and when we get to see more art forms uh you know being appreciated invited uh and really look forward to by by the corporate um you know employees as well um so i think on, on that note i would just you know um, you know go back to uh, a couple of things that i was asking you before about yourself right so you know we as uh, millennials are sort of uh, you know tagged in everything that probably you know is a little more fancy for the older generation but a lot of people sort of don't realize that you know we have been the generation that has seen a lot of changes every 10 years right i mean you know technology is moving the way uh, you know are like for example i do remember the college syllabus that we had uh, you know 2009 to 12 and whatever was happening in the market outside i do remember that most of the professors who were teaching at even at the ivy league institutes sort of felt like you know the syllabus needs to change and it needs to be more case oriented it needs to be more uh, more live there need to be a lot of examples from what's happening so so we've always seen these changes right and you know cut to that you know we are in 2020 uh, where uh, you know we have to go through this whole change of uh, not meeting people when when we are used to uh, you know socializing and you know getting to know people more so you know looking at that uh, i just i just want to understand that you know what has been that one thing that has kept you going you know in the last 8 years of your professional life uh, and you know i hear many times you know people say they say it's ambition vision goals persistence you know they say i want to raise the bar for myself and that gets me going so what is it that has worked out for you i think um, one of the thing that i've really expected uh, from the work i do is that it makes me proud of being able right. to put out such work um i mean you know there are a lot of motivations that you find with a job you know you want more you want a higher salary and you want to work with great people and um you want to work for an organization that um you know is reputed or is going to be or is going to be reputed in the future and all of this is obviously true for me as well but primarily i found myself wanting to be happy and proud and satisfied with the work that i put out um so that when i look back on it i can see a body of work that has shown growth has shown expression has shown um some impact that it's made uh, positively um to someone um and that's why most of my work you see economic times your story and zomato onwards has always been um it's always been exploring different angles of of what's happening you know it's been right. talking about food it's been talking about entrepreneurship it's been talking about business and it's all been uh, about unpacking what it it's 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 storytelling in a way i i suppose but it's also been me being proud of being able to work in a space where i can express myself and be proud of expressing right. myself with alongside some of the people i really enjoyed working with so um for me it's Got been it. for me i i want to look back and be proud about what i've done and i if that means less money if that means less exposure in a way if that means working with companies that aren't as large um or right. don't conform to what the general populace thinks is a successful career or um or is status worthy etc i that's not one of the motivations for me personally got it 
I understand. So I think it is it is mostly to do with um, I mean you have your set of principles and you know are you or or you know your set of principles or your set of uh, approaches that you think you know would work out for you through you know through your next couple of years in your life. So I think I think that sort of you know pulls you back to say that okay you know this is what I really like doing. This is what I get inspired from. This is what makes me proud. So I think uh, you know there's there's sort of a mechanism that i heard about which is uh, you know regret minimization um, mechanism apparently and so it talks about say when you are 80 and you look back uh, you know in hindsight you would realize that oh i should have you know taken a different path in my life so i think uh, you know without uh, unknowingly i guess you sort of you know you are already on that path of regret uh, you know regret minimization a uh, mechanism i guess from from the looks of it so <laughs> because i can already hear you saying that uh, you know i've uh, you know i'm really proud of you know what has been achieved in the past couple of years etc so and of course i wish you all the best on your journey ahead as well and uh, you know on 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 that on that note uh, you know i was just thinking that what what would be that advice that you would give to our listeners who are sort of looking forward or you know feel like they should be doing something apart from their regular professional life right because and and there is a reason i asked this question because i came across just yesterday you know i just came across an a very emotional line that somebody had put up on their linkedin uh, which says that you know your first salary is the price for which you sold your dream to be an entrepreneur and then i had someone who sort of uh, who someone i know who sort of commented on that saying that you know the subsequent salaries confirmed that it was a good decision now well, that is quite a nice double meaning line to be honest right it's, it's quite clever so while i feel you know earning your salary by doing your job or being an entrepreneur is equally important i also feel that in some way uh, we let go of things that we should have pursued right things we may be good at or we wanted to be good at or wanted to give a shot at so you know is there an improv style quote well you know i want to put you on the spot here so that you would want to come up with right now Uh, to ensure that you know people take that first step towards their leap of faith uh i think yeah um when when i think when you're presented with either an opportunity or a desire to take a leap of faith um one of the things that really works out in improv is when you say yes right um i w- got it before that like a, a really common improv tool that a lot of people would have heard it is this thing called yes and where you accept someone's offer and you add to it by saying and but i'd like to take a step back from yes and and say the first step of yes is really important where you accept something that's coming to you and you don't kind of say no to it because you know a lot of times we 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 say no to something that makes us feel good because we feel like this is wrong to do uh, you know you want you have a, right. you want to start your own company because you think it's going to be good you start find you first start finding reasons why this is not going to work instead right. of thinking right. of reasons why this could work so that saying yes to right. that that you exploring more positively the possibilities of where this is going to go going down a rabbit hole maybe alice in wonderland style where you don't know where it's going <laughs> to lead you and it's those experiences that really teach you the most because if you say no to this then you are basically doing you're following a script you are following um you're following someone right. else's dream you're following a path that someone else has already taken which is also fine right. if that's if that right where you want to go but if you have right. been presented with the opportunity of doing something different and you feel like you want to do something different i strongly think that saying yes to that is a great step to thinking about it more and not shutting it down on the first go right right and i think saying no to things right uh, you know just to sort of add on to what you were saying uh I think we should not be I mean I don't know the things that come to you are of course you know there are thoughts that come to you there are ideas that come to you and I think saying no to ideas just because you think or assume they can't work out I think that in itself is you know is going to stop you from taking that first step right so I mean because you know I thought about this myself for you know starting a podcast and I uh, the reason why I, it it came to that was because 
you know my father he kept asking me in the past 2 3 years that what happened to me uh, you know not continuing my writing because i used to write on variety of topics and i you know there were a lot of ideas that came to me later but then i was like yeah maybe this wouldn't work this wouldn't work and then eventually you know uh, in the past one or two weeks i have been thinking about this very seriously so i think uh, you know about starting like a podcast where i speak to people who have sort of um, you know can be a great inspiration for a lot of others and uh, of course some 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 people from from whom i drive energy as well so i think to sum that uh, you know though we couldn't put that in a quote but i think uh, saying no to ideas not a great thing uh, saying uh, yes to ideas trying to work out something out of it and then of course trying to charter uh, your territory where you want to sort of uh, you know look forward to um performing or you know speaking or writing or drawing i don't know you know there are a lot of inspirations that people have and they want to do things so so i think uh saying yes to ideas definitely that can be a good starting point <laughs> and uh yeah it's the it's and on that note it's yeah. the simplest idea yeah, to right. say yes to something you know <laughs> right right and i think writing also helps right because you might be driving and then you sort of come across something and you just forget it by the time you reach your home uh, so i think sort of writing and you know keeping a track of where your thoughts are really leading you i think that sort of you know gears you up for the next step that you want to take so uh, yeah. so i think this was a interesting conversation to have with you as well right because that sort of gave me some clarity for myself as well so on that note uh, we we come to the end of our first episode so uh many thanks arjun for your time i do know that you know um i don't have to say this but it's always great to you know have a chat with you we've met uh, numerous amount of times even after our college uh, got over so um you know uh, i know you have a pretty schedule uh, with uh, you know um, filled with exciting back to back engagements throughout the day i do know that you know you sometimes sleep at about 4 am ist just because you want to collaborate with uh, you know your um, peers and colleagues in improv across the world uh so i really thank you for the time and i uh, of course uh, you know here's wishing you all the best and uh, onwards and upwards on your journey thank you so much and i'm really proud about the fact that you decided to start your podcast um all together you know you uh, you moving away from writing i hope you still keep writing but finding another creative outlet <laughs> to add to your quiver of arrows in a sense is very inspiring as well so i hope indeed thanks you all the best as well for your podcast and onward thank and you forward to you as well <laughs> thanks a lot thanks a lot i'll i'll take that suggestion to keep going on writing and uh, i guess it's just the millennial me that wants that got gravitated towards a podcast because i listen to podcasts a lot of podcasts myself on the go right so this is a very millennial thing to do if i were to give you an excuse right now but uh, but point noted i'll i'll keep writing and of course continue on my podcast journey as well so thanks arjun once again and uh, of course have a great sunday and uh, hope to talk to you in the next season of outer spaces <laughs> same here have a great day okay thank you